Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark. And Mike, we got to see some basketball this past weekend and within the last week as well. And um, I will start off with Crown Point girls advancing to state for the first time since 1997 and the first time since uh, class uh, distinctions were implemented. The last time they were there in 1997 was the last time they had a single class or single group um, state uh, tournament. So it's really cool that they're going to be back. I have a couple of stories in the works as we speak. One that will be filed later today, a couple more for the weekend. Um, obviously the state gamer, but um, yeah, I mean, they're there. They were expected to be in contention for a state championship and um, yeah, they're living up to pretty much all the hype and Jessica Carruthers, um, like we talked about just a few seconds before we started this podcast, um, she's doing some stuff that just seems like you know, years from now, you'll look back and be like, that girl did some things that were just unheard of or unbelievable. Um, she hit a three-quarter court shot against Fort Wayne Carroll at the end of the first quarter um, to put her team up 13-12. And then uh, from that point on, uh, Crown Point kind of battled back and forth, so they pulled away at the end. Jessica Carruthers had 28. Um, she scored over 25 in every playoff game so far. And um, yeah, man, like she's as good as advertised. And it's it's going to be a really fun game to see them play Brownsburg because Brownsburg is on a Cinderella run, Mike. They started the season off, I believe, like 8-10, and 10, and they've won nine in a row to get to the state final behind uh, Allie Becky, who's a Ball State recruit, a senior guard. Um, she's a star player as well. So we got Bulldogs versus Bulldogs in the state finals, so I'm rooting for the Bulldogs. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it should be fun to see. But I don't know if you saw Jessica, Jessica's shot on Twitter if you did, um, what was your reaction to that one? Um, I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, oh, I have to week, send it to you. I have to send it the, to you. This, this last week has been kind of a blur. Um, you know, as some of the folks who listen to us know or may not know, um, I've got a kind of a variety of duties here. I'm kind of the utility person uh, at the times. I do a little bit of editing. These are all uh, he's so, our all purpose, you know, all purpose uh, uh, player basically on all area teams. So right. <laughs> so I cover I cover uh, Illinois news and sports and Illinois primary elections for this week. So anyway, you know, not to get too far from the point of the podcast, but I do have a lot of other stuff going on, and that's what I'm going to plead. Uh, you know, being busy, but uh, we'll definitely look at look at it, and you know. I'm sure that, you know, you've talked to some folks around Crown Point and uh, you've been able to kind of put this into a little bit of historical perspective. And the the legacy of Crown Point girls basketball, of course, does go back to the 90s. Um, coach Tom May was the coach in those days. And there were some amazing players um, along on those amazing teams. And I mean, that's the way it works. I mean, you know, when you're playing at that level, you don't have one-person teams even in basketball. I mean, Jessica Carruthers is really good, but they've got other D1 players on that team as well. And it is interesting to see them get back to this point because, uh, you know, those teams cast a long shadow, honestly. Yeah. And some of the coaches and the players who came after that, you know, I mean, the, the folks around town, you know, remember that kind of stuff. And I got a little bit of a story here, um, actually, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, and uh, this was uh, kind of toward the end of Tom May's tenure, and uh, I was 
doing sports at that point. And this was a Saturday, um, I want to say in January, could have been February, but I think it was January one year. And uh, the region got this massive blizzard, uh, like kind of like the one we've just gotten through, actually, you know, but this was a little bit different. It was like, you know, instead of these steady, you know, snowing every day kind of a thing, it was just like this, I don't know, 10, 15 inch thing all in one day, a Saturday afternoon. And uh, I was working that day, and uh, Crown Point uh, had a uh, four team tournament that it did every year around this time. I guess now that I think of it, it might have been around the holidays, but in any case, though. Crown Point uh, had this four-team tournament. They, they'd bring in three teams from downstate, you know, really talented teams. And it was kind of like a, a getting ready for, like, you know, the those postseason days, you know, when you play two games in one day. Anyway, so um, they'd gotten the teams in the night before, um, before all the snow hit, basically. So... Uh, they're sitting around. The, the teams were in hotels, and they came up early because you know the games were like I don't know at nine and ten thirty in the morning. And then they come back and play the you know the consolation game of the championship in the evening. So the teams came up early rather than you know driving two or three hours you know and leaving at five in the morning or something like that. So the teams were here, and the roads were so bad, James. I cannot even begin to tell you um, because you know it was it was a blizzard. You know, and the snow just kept coming down and coming down and coming down. But Tom Bay was like, well, we got the teams here. Why not play the games? You know, so they got like some, you know, ATVs or, you know, four-wheel drive vehicles. They got the teams from the hotels uh, to the Crown Point gym. And uh, they played the tournament. And, you know, you know how we are. It's like, well, what are we going to put in the paper? This is a Sunday paper. There's nothing going on. And. You know, we called and Tom May said, yeah, our tournament's still going on. You know, come on out and watch some girls basketball. So I did. I drove from the Munster office to Crown Point, and it was kind of uh, kind of uh, scary, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but there was nobody out. There was literally nobody out on the roads, you know. So I'm going down, you know, 41 to 30 and over to Crown Point and everything. And, uh you know, I don't know. There were. It was like it was kind of like a COVID early COVID crowd because nobody in Crown Point could get to the, the school either. You know, so there's I don't know maybe twenty five or thirty people. You know, parents, you know, friends or whatever. And uh, so yeah, so I went out there, watched the consolation game, covered the championship game. Crown Point was in it. I seem to remember Crown Point won. I can't. You know, I, I don't remember a lot of details about it, but yeah. So that was kind of like what crown point basketball girls basketball is all about too it's like you know overcoming stuff um you know in that case the weather and the fact that again it's like tom may was like well the the teams are here you know why not play the games so even if nobody can come out you know and even if it was just you know this howling blizzard outside so anyway that was kind of a, a fun memory too um but again putting this all into perspective you know this is you know, people around town, I'm sure, are really excited about the fact that this is happening again. And uh, it is uh, another, you know, milestone in Crown Point girls basketball history, which is one of the greatest, you know, girls basketball 
traditions in the region, if not the greatest. So, yeah, uh, should, um, I had a great time talking to Coach May uh, last night, and we're uh, recording this on a – help me out here, Mike. Is it Thursday? Thursday. It is Thursday, yeah. <laughs> um, so I had a chance to talk to him, and uh, one of the cool things about when a team advances to state for the first time in, in quite some time – um, for me, it's I get an opportunity to kind of go down like memory lane with some of these coaches. Um, Scott Reed, the assistant coach for uh, the girls team right now, was actually the assistant coach for the teams uh, back in the 80s and 90s that went to the state finals. So um, he's like the one constant <laughs> that's kind of kind of been there for throughout all of, throughout everything, throughout all the state runs. Um, so I talked to him. I talked to Coach May. Um, and it, it's really cool to kind of see. Uh, some of the similarities between those teams and this team. Um, obviously, like you said, they had great players. And uh, I'm excited to share that story. Um, and, again, it, it's one where I told Coach May I was like, hey, I'm only 25, and he just laughed. Um, so <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I was only two the last time they were in the state finals, and I wasn't even a thought when they, last they won <laughs> the state finals. So uh, it's really cool. I mean, one just quick fun fact for people who don't know, Crown Point is actually the first girls basketball team in state history to win back-to-back uh, state championships in 84 and 85. Um, they went to three straight, 83, 84, 85. And again, this is back when it's single-class basketball, so you have to literally beat everyone in the state. So, um, you know, it's a little harder probably back then than it, than it is now. Um, and I know people are still going to say, oh, it should go back to that, and I, I don't know about all that. But again, it was good to, to kind of go down memory lane and get a history lesson before the game. Uh, I wasn't able to do this the last time I covered a state uh, basketball game just because the last time I did one was Andrean Boys, um, and that was their first time uh, winning one, I believe. Um, so it, w- it wasn't the same as far as, like, the history and things like that. So um, it's really cool that they get a chance to go back and, and kind of uh, bridge that gap between the old school and the new school. So I asked Coach Reed, I was like, man, like, you've been around for quite some time. How do you – uh?" How do you keep up with us like TikTokers and Snapchatters and stuff? And he was laughing and he was just saying like the game hasn't, you know, the game has gotten better. He was saying the, the girls game has gotten better over the years. And he's also was saying like, you know, at the end of the day, the game itself, the things that you want to do well haven't changed. You know, you want to play defense, you want to make your free throws, you want to, you know, have some players that can really play. And, and obviously all of that has kind of played a part into this run right now. So there's a lot of things uh, on the line. I know Jessica Carruthers is chasing her older brother. Uh, Johnny Carruthers, uh, he won a state championship with Andran uh, two years ago. So uh, although she is probably the most accomplished player in the family, uh, you know, she still wants to be able to match Big Brother. Um, so there, there's that angle. There's a lot of other angles, I'm sure, that uh, I'll go through and, and try to share with you all throughout the week. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I went down to Indianapolis on Monday. Um, just to talk to Coach Cyber when I could really just call him on the phone, but <laughs> it was fun to go down there and uh, show my face. And people are like, "Man, why do you make the trip every? You know, whenever they make it." And I did the same thing for football. And it's like, you know, you don't know how many times the team is going to make it to state. So, you know, if a team gets there, I'm willing to go down whenever they'll have me. Uh, media day, game day, whatever it is. Um, you know, like I said, because you never know if you're going to be able to go back. You know, as as an athlete, as a team, or as a reporter. So, I'm trying to soak it all in as much as the players, and uh, I'm excited for it. Right, and we did get the hype video. Thanks for that. There um, you go. <laughs> you know, we we were, we were talking about that, joking about it, but I mean, it is. It, it's. Um, I like the fact that uh, there is excitement around 
uh, high school sports. And I think it kind of reminds us, you know, which we kind of, I don't know, maybe lost a little bit um, during the past COVID year, which it's been more than a year now, or right around that, I guess, actually not quite more than a year, but close, close to that. I mean, you know, I think it's, you know, it's cool to see kids being excited. It's cool to see you being excited about uh, what's going on, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, reminds me again, not that I ever really forget, but high school sports are so bound into the fiber of every community around here. And uh, it's just uh, such an integral part of life. Um, and we kind of, you know, it's our job to cover it. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't think we ever take it for granted. I know you don't. Um, I don't even after all these years that I've been doing it. Um, but it's cool. It's cool to see the, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement. Um, it is exciting to see fans back in the stands, which we've had, I don't know, the last I don't know, two or three weeks maybe. Um, yeah, and these have really and, and, felt and, like, and, you know, playoff and, games, Mike. In kind, of a, in kind of a, you know, more of a traditional way. I mean, I know there were always a few fans in the stands, and we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about uh, what's going on in the Illinois side. But, uh, you know, to see the, the stands, uh, like, you know, whatever it is, 20, 25% full, you know, I mean, the, that's enough to generate the kind of excitement that we're kind of used to. So, I mean, it, you know, some of these gyms, you know, if they hold 4,000, 1,000 fans in the place, that can get it rocking for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, moving on, uh, more state news. Um, we would want to uh, congratulate and uh, give a shout-out to uh, State Wrestling was last weekend um, at, in Indianapolis, and uh, we had three state champs from the region. Jesse Mendez from Crown Point is a junior, uh, three-time champ, so he is on track to be a four-time champ, which is something rare obviously it's not something that uh, we see a lot of we've had a few of them from the region but not a ton uh chesterton sergio lemley who is uh, kind of an interesting story he's won two state titles in two different states in the last two years and laporte's ashton jackson so uh congrats to them and uh you know that's wrestling is actually one of the sports where it was kind of dicey you know um as we moved through the beginning stages of the pandemic, we did not know a lot about the disease and how it's going to affect sports. Um, you know, wrestling is kind of the ultimate contact sport. You know, when we talk about you know close contact and higher risk and lower risk and that kind of stuff, and uh, and there were some pauses as there were in other sports. Um, but uh, the important thing is is that all of the top wrestlers were able to compete at state and. Uh, Again, three of them won state titles. Congrats to them. And uh, you'll notice that all three of them are from the DAC. So uh, the DAC, as we've talked about in a number of other contexts, is a big is it is is the conference. Basically, it's one of the top conferences in the state. So many different sports. I mean, uh, gymnastics, swimming, wrestling. Um, you know, and this is just another example of that. Um, so again, congrats to them. And now back to basketball. Um, and as we are wrapping up the girls' season, we are getting ready for the boys' playoffs to start. And uh, we have the playoff pairings come out last weekend. And as always, uh, 
there were people bemoaning some of the matchups <laughs> and celebrating some of the matchups. And I thought that uh, Paul Orange, who did our story, which was uh, actually a, a terrific story, uh, shout out to Paul on that. Uh, he actually covered a Valpo uh, game uh, virtually and then came back and wrote the, the pairing story and uh, did a great job on both of those, actually. But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, there were two coaches that he talked to who had two completely different takes on the pairings, um, but both valid, I thought. Uh, Larry Moore Jr. from Hammond um, doesn't have to play until Friday night, and he said, thank you. Uh, he said, thanks for giving us a two-game path to the sectional title instead of a three-game path. He's perfectly fine with, you know, staying in the gym, practicing a couple more days. And then uh, Couts, on the other hand, uh, is did not get a bye. And uh, Kevin Dusan said, you know, I'm glad to play. You know, let's get the butterflies out early rounds. You know, and then by the time we get to the semifinals, hopefully, uh, I mean, they're going to get there. You know, it's Couts. They're really good. Um, you know, then we'll be, you know, kind of in, in a groove. So I thought that was kind of interesting, James, that uh, they both had different takes, but both valid takes based on their pairings. Yeah, I mean, you, you take what you can get. Uh, I don't think Hammond would have minded if they were, uh, you know, had to play first or something like that. They're, they're pretty good, number one, 3A. So um, I, I, you get some of that coach speak, but I think I, the thing I like about this time of the year is that, you know, when – we're able to get to this point. That kind of stuff usually fades away um, when it's do or die basketball. Um, you know, you get some more real, raw answers. Um, so I'm excited for it. I think one of the sectionals to pay attention to is definitely the Chesterton one. Um, and this is where the, the draws kind of come in. You got Chesterton and Valparaiso in the first round on the same side. Um, so in my opinion, that is that would have been the championship had it been seated. Um, so pay attention to that one. Obviously, you got Couch in 21st that could potentially meet for a rematch. Um, and a lot of people are saying this is Couch's year. However, they only beat uh, 21st by one a few weeks ago. And 21st century basically gave the game away. I think they were up um, late, and they, they actually turned it over, and it ended up being like a layup for Couch to, to win it, like on a, you know, not a fluke play, but a bad play from 21st century. So I know that the 21st century kind of looks forward to um, that challenge. And one thing I do want to update people on is uh, I actually just got this in uh, last night. Um, uh, Ashton Williamson, who's one of the top sophomores in the state, he transferred from Calumet 21st Century. He was denied full eligibility by the IHSA, meaning that he can only play in JV games, which also means that he cannot participate in the uh, sectional uh, round for that team. Um, I know he would have been a big, a big boost for them. Um, and I'll pretty much leave it at that. I have, a, I have some stuff coming out about it later. Um, I did speak with the coach. Um, I don't have like every single detail about his transfer process and, 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 and why he was denied and all this other stuff. I didn't really get much information from the coach. Um, and, and frankly speaking, it doesn't change the outcome. Um, but yeah, he was not uh, granted full eligibility, so he'll have to wait until next year uh, to play for 21st, for 21st century on the varsity level. Um, but even without him, I still think they are a formidable opponent for Couts, who is the favorite in that sectional. Um, so I'm excited. Obviously, got other teams that are um, looking to be pretty good. Uh, Westside is going to make a run. I know they lost uh, last night to Andrean by one. Um, one thing to point out is that uh, Westside's leading scorer, Kamari Peterson, 
uh, one of the best guards in the state. He was not uh, playing, had an ankle injury. Uh, per our Dave Funk, he talked to the coach, um, Chris Bugs, and that's that's the reasoning he was given. So um, kudos to, to Andran for winning that game. But I think when people saw the score, they're like, oh, what the heck happened to Westside? It's like when you're missing your leading scorer and your point guard, um, that makes a difference. It gets a very good Andran team, a very good Andran team year in and year out. Um, so, you know, as far as rankings go, I'll look at them later today and come up with my new rankings and things like that. But um, I would preference it by saying you, you probably won't see too much slippage from Westside because you have to take into account that their be- one of their best players wasn't there. Uh, people are going to be like, well, you know, you play who's there. That's not how, like, anybody, you know, who, who ranks teams would think. I mean, I have the feeling, because he warmed, Kamari Peterson warmed up, and I have the feeling that if it were a playoff game, he would have been there. So you have to take into consideration. They're probably thinking like, hey, is it worth it to play him, possibly make his ankle injury worse, or to just take our lumps and and play hard and try to win it without him and then move on to, you know, our sectional where they won't even see it, you know, and drain again. So, uh, yeah, I know people are going to be saying I'm against, you know, the two-way schools, which I'm not. It's just that context matters. Um, So, yeah, and Andrean's a really good team. I think that they have a chance to make a – make a good run in, in 2A as well. I think they're well-coached. And really, outside of Kyle Ross, who is now Lake Central, um, they have the majority of their players from that state championship team. Uh, they're all seniors now, pretty much. And they have some other players that have uh, come along uh, after that that team uh, to, to help the squad out. So they're, they're, they're really good, man. I think they're a really good 2A team. I don't think they have a star player, but they have a lot of very, very good players. And, and again, players that do what they're good at, which is like a coach's dream. When I watch Andran, the kids that, you know, aren't great shooters don't shoot. They rebound, they set screens, they they make layups, they, you know, foul hard, you know, do things that matter to win the game, which, you know, it's easier said than done. So hats off to them. Um, one game I do want to point out, Mike, you talk about 25% capacity. When I went to Valpo uh, last week to watch them play Chesterton for the DAC Championship, um, both teams were undefeated going into it, so basically it was a DAC championship. That's what I dubbed it. And um, I had to find parking, Mike. Like, I pulled up at Valparaiso, and I was like, what the heck is going on? And I forgot that there was 25% capacity, and then I also forgot how much 25% capacity is at a, at a gym like Valparaiso. So I had to, like, you know, park way in the back somewhere near, like, the football field, really, and then walk over across, like, two parking lots to get to – the you know a basketball building and, and the school building so um that was a pleasant surprise when i got there they had a table set up for me up top but jack campbell a long time trusted coach is is uh i believe his wife and his grandkids uh were were, were sitting down uh in my seat uh and, and, and you know he was, about to tell his, he was about to tell his grandkids to get up i told him you know it's fine they can have the seat and i went and sat down uh actually uh in the stands um they had a, a pretty wide a spread out gap um, right behind the scorer's table, which is where I like to sit anyways. It's closer to the action. So I told him, don't worry about it. You know, he's like, well, they got your name here. And I was like, don't even worry about it. You know, tell them right their name on it. It's theirs for today. So uh, shout out to Coach Campbell. Nice guy. Uh, it was a great game from Valparaiso. Um, they defensively, Mike, they kind of remind me of Syracuse. Um, the really good Syracuse teams is just because of their length um, defensively. It is very hard to score on that team especially if you go like Chesterton. Chesterton, I believe, was 0 for 11 from three-point land. So if you don't make any three-pointers against that team, it's, it's really, really hard to beat them, um, mainly because 
if you're not going to make a three-pointer, you're, you're not going to score in the paint. You're not going to score on the inside because they have a bunch of big people like Cooper Jones and, and Grant Comstock who are both great athletes in different sports. I mean, you got Cooper going to IU for football and Grant who's going to uh, Northwestern for baseball, but both of them are very good athletes and very big. And, that, and that's kind of what Valparaiso reminds me of. They're, again, they don't have a star basketball player on their team. I think that uh, Mason Jones, who is uh, Cooper Jones' younger brother, he's a sophomore, I think that he could be a star. Um, he's got the build and all the you know physical uh, attributes you need, but I don't think that they have a star player right now. But again, they have a very good, loaded, uh, uh, well-rounded team and a very good coach. So look for them to make a, a push as well. But man, I was, I, was, I was presently surprised. I mean, it was, I believe it was like 49-27, the final score. Um, it's a hold a Chesterton team who's very good, you know, uh, coming into that game. It's still very good um, to 27 points, nine made field goals. Um, you got to remember it, the game was like 10-9 by Perezzo at one point, And so they scored, uh, you know, uh, 18 points the rest of the way uh, pretty much. So that was that was a dominant defensive performance. And I was pleasantly surprised by it. And it was, you know, we had student sections for both sides and a lot of people yelling and screaming and. A lot of passion, and I was like, "Man, this is a this is a loud gym." Uh, Cooper Jones was telling me after the game that you know we had to yell our plays about three or four times to hear ourselves, which was different than what they've experienced earlier in the year. So they were excited about that. I'm excited about it just because it felt like a, a nice you know conference game. And I'll be back again actually uh, tomorrow at Valparaiso to see them play Hammond, another top game. So uh, that'll be a you know a top five matchup for sure, and I'm excited for that just because. I have no idea which game, which way that could go. Uh, no disrespect to Hammond. They, they've been a, kind of been top dog the entire way. But uh, another test for them to close, close the regular season. So, um, yeah, it should be a really, really good one. Yeah, and your, your points are uh, well taken about, uh, you know, Kevin Tuzan and, uh, and Larry Moore Jr., you know, uh, giving us the coach speak lines. It's true. Um, <laughs> they are, they're trying them out because, I mean, if – you know, Couts is, as you said, hey, you know, we'll have a challenge, you know, assuming it's, they play 21st century. If Hammond doesn't win this sectional, I mean, it, everybody's going to be stunned. I mean, everybody expects this Hammond team to get to state. I mean, that's, I'm going to put it out there. I mean, not to put pressure on them, but I mean, that is what the expectation is. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, apart from everything else, you know, it's the last year. We've talked about that, The la- you know, the, the, the last dance for for having high for the Wildcats. So, I mean, um, you know, yeah, Larry saying, you know, that, oh, we only have to win two games instead of three is, is, is a little bit of, I don't know, it, it's a little bit of coach speak because, I mean, they're, they're, they'd win two or they'd win three. And, I mean, and it kind of goes back to, and this, every time the draw comes out, there is something like uh, Valpo Chesterton in their first round. Every year there's, there's a game like that where you look at and you say, why is this happening? And that's Indiana for you. I mean, Indiana doesn't believe in seeding at the team level. You know, and so, so somebody on Twitter pointed out that, uh, you know, for the wrestling uh, sectionals, those are seeded individually. Um, kids are seeded. You know, the coaches get together, you know, and they seed the kids in the sectionals. But there's no team seeding. And, uh, and there's really no good reason for it because the reason is, is we've always done it this way. Exactly, and, uh, Mike. I, I have people telling me, you know, I've, I'm in some Facebook groups for Indiana basketball, and people are, oh, uh, you know, it, it, that you know that that would take away, you know, the the the, the charm of the tournament and all the other stuff. And I'm like, no. 
Um, I do believe it can be seated. Um, and like me and you both are from Illinois, it's always been seated over here. Um, and again, it's not like teams in basketball, at least everyone qualifies. So again, everyone will get a chance to play. It's just that you would, it would be fairer in my opinion to not see, like I said, the, the Valpo and Chesterton matchup, which is uh, again, my, my opinion, the championship in the first, on the first night of sectional. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make any sense, um, and I don't know that it's ever going to change either. Because, and I've been here for more than thirty years, and people were complaining about it then. And uh, you know, so we've had you know generations of coaches and administrators and athletic directors and IHSAA commissioners, you know, come and go, and uh, there doesn't seem to be the impetus to, to change. And I think probably one of the things that uh, helped keep the status quo is going to class basketball because I mean you know now that the smaller schools you know have an opportunity to win a sectional um, and to go deep into the playoffs you know there's probably less of an incentive uh, than there was I mean in those days you know it's like the small schools you know they would really be unhappy you know like if you'd have a couch that would have to play I don't know a Valpo the first round in a one class tournament you know as opposed to maybe getting a game that they could win, you know, and then moving on or whatever. So, I mean, that then they really had a problem with that. But, I mean, you know, it's, it is the way it is. Um, you know, the, the other thing that's kind of been talked about a little bit, too, you've probably seen it as, uh, you know, and, and in my mind, Indiana has too many classes. Uh, four classes <laughs> for 300 and some schools is kind of ridiculous in my mind. Um you know, Illinois has four classes for about twice as many schools. So, um, and so basically when you think about it, so let's, let's, let's do the math here. So if you're, if you're in Indiana and you want to win a state title, you would, you would have to win two or three games at the sectional. Um, you would have to win two games at the regional. You would have to win the semi-state and you'd have to win the state championship. So what is that? Uh, two, four, five, six games six or seven games, depending on whether you play two or three in the sectional. And, uh, you know, that doesn't seem like a lot uh, to ask, basically. You have to win more games in Illinois. Um, you know, you'd have to win, even with four classes, you'd have to win, you know, two or three games in the regional, then you have to win two games in the sectional, then you have to win the semi-state, then you have to win two games at state, semi-super sectional, rather, than, than state. So... So that's a, a tougher road in terms of how many how many wins you have to get. So, uh, but again, I don't know that it's ever going to change, and you know, people will complain about it, and then we will go on to the tournament, and then we'll forget about it until the next year the pairings come out. Yeah, and then one um, thing I will say is, you know, we like we like with the girls tournament, for example, when you get to this point of the of the of the tournament, you know, the 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 cream usually rises to the top. Um so it's not like it's a, like a completely broken system where you know you have teams that don't like deserve to be like in a regional or something like that making it out or something like that. I mean the the teams that were in the semi state for uh girls were all really good teams, you know, and again Brownsburg's kind of on that Cinderella run where they have had that NCAA tournament-like, you know, upset after upset to get to where they are. So they deserve it as well. But, yeah, I would definitely like to see seeding. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But, yeah, I definitely want to throw out there that it should be done just for the people that are saying, like, get off my lawn. No, I'm here. So, again, it's all in good fun. Um, I will say I'm just grateful that the games are being played at all. So I'll take what I can get. For sure. And uh, that brings us to uh, Illinois basketball. 
Uh, I covered my first game of the season. Knock the uh, rust off. Oh, man. And I got to <laughs> tell you, so, number one, I'm really proud of my stats. Um, I keep, and I don't know what you keep. Um, I guess that could be another podcast in itself. But I keep shots. I keep rebounds. I keep uh, blocks. And I keep steals. Assists are kind of hard for me to keep just because you have to think backwards. You know, it's yeah. like the basket. And who made that pass? So, I don't, I don't often keep assists unless if there's a kid that I know who's going to have like five or six, then I'll try to keep an eye out for that. But so anyway, so that's what I keep. And I know I missed one field goal attempt um, out of my stats, but I'm pretty confident that I got everything else right. And uh, so that was a victory there. Um, it was, it's, it's a different thing um, from what I'm used to, certainly. Uh, the protocol is uh, we do the health screenings uh, right at the gate, and there are, uh, at least the way it's working for TF South uh, and TF North, TF South, TF North are in the South Suburban Conference, uh, which is decided that no visiting fans can come to games. And then beyond that, individual schools can set their own uh, protocols Um so TF South, uh, for example, for boys basketball and for girls basketball too, allows uh, each player to have two uh, tickets. Um, so you can, you know, parents, you know, uh, siblings, grandma, whatever, and that's it. Um, so there's basically, you know, you have the teams, you have the the officials, you have the game staff, you know, the the staff keeper, the the, the, the person who keeps the official book, you know, the clock keeper, PA announcer. And it's kind of funny because we have a PA announcer for like 20 fans, um, you know, <laughs> which, which is, which I didn't even thought about that until we, I just did right now. You know, it's a little bit strange, but I mean, I guess the one purpose for that is a lot of, almost every school in Illinois is live streaming their games now so that you can still watch the games from home. Um, so I guess that there's a purpose for that. I mean, if you're live streaming, you can hear the PA in the background. You know, you have a little bit more idea about what's going on. So that's a good thing. But uh, kids wear masks, too, uh, which I know they don't do in Indiana. But that's a rule in Illinois. You have to pay, play basketball wearing a mask. And uh, and they do it. And they you have know, the extra like, time out for it and things like that? That's right. We have a we have a mask break about it's 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 kind of like a media timeout. It's it's roughly halfway through each quarter. And it's a minute uh, where kids can take their masks off, you know, get a, get water, whatever, um, you know. And the, it, basically, the uh, the officials, you know, will call it again when there's a stoppage in play right around the middle of the quarter. So, um, you know, I don't notice any difference in the in the level of play because the game that I covered was uh, TF South against Oak Lawn. TF South got down by about uh, in double digits. And they started pressing in the third quarter, uh, full court. And uh, kids wearing masks, you know, were running around doing full court pressure in the third quarter. And I guess kind of what it reminds you of is that teenagers are very resilient and adaptable. You know, Mm -hmm. if you tell teenagers this is what you have to do, teenagers will do it, you know, in terms of in this context basically i mean i understand teenagers can be rebellious in different contexts too but in this context it's like well you know there weren't nobody's complaining about it you know it's like well okay we have to do it you know and it kind of 
makes you realize, you know, what kind of condition these athletes are in. You know, can you imagine running around full speed, you know, pressing while wearing a mask? Not easy, but they did it. They actually got back into the game, came back, tied the game. Uh, Oklahoma wound up winning, but uh, it's 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 an interesting thing to see. And uh, you know, one of the what we've got coming up next week. Actually, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so next Wednesday, uh, football practice starts in Illinois, uh, March third, and then games start on March nineteenth. And uh, one of the things that's kind of a point of contention right now is as of today, uh, football players are going to be required to wear masks too. Um, there's a lot of people who think that that's not workable. Uh, you know, I mean, just getting masks to fit inside of, uh, you know, helmets and, you know, chin straps and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how it's going to work either. Um, and they said that, uh, you know, the clear plastic face guards are not good enough. Um, which as of now, you know, again, this has been very fluid all along. And, uh, I think a lot of people hope that the Illinois department of public health will say, um, you know, we don't, players don't have to wear, uh, face masks because I don't know how workable that's going to be. And honestly, I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, and I don't think you want to put in a, a rule that is, that may be ignored, um, by a lot of people because that kind of reduces respect for other rules so anyway that's that's on the horizon so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works too all right well on that note everyone you all stay safe continue to wear your masks these covert numbers are trending downward um let's keep that going and um, we'll be checking in next week with some state updates i know we have some swimming as well um this weekend so just stay tuned we have a lot of people going a lot of different places um, I'll probably have to get an oil change after this weekend, but I'll do it all again for the region. <laughs>